Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Last week, we started a, a new series of messages that we're calling Yes and Amen. We're, gonna talk, we're talking about prayer. Um, and before I, before I go any further, um, I, do, I did want to say that Thursday afternoon, um, us as a staff uh, always have a staff prayer time together. And this past Thursday, we used that time to, to pray over your requests from last week. Wasn't last week amazing, y'all? It was one of my favorite Sundays ever. Absolutely incredible. Um, but what, what we did is we, we prayed over the cards. We, we took a few each and prayed over them. Um, and then as, after we got done, I, I continued to, to look through the box and to read your request and to pray over those requests. And can I just say, as one of your pastors, that I love your authenticity, your vulnerability. Um, the, I, I, was, I was shocked by some of the things that you'd be willing to write um, on a prayer card. And my prayer... Um, and our prayer over, over those is that you would, that God would move in those things that you have on your heart in a way that you know that it was him. I mean, we had, we had some things that were absolutely shocking that you were praying for, deep things, deep desires, and not selfish desires, but just deep desires. So thank you for being willing to share those. I want us to be a church of, of praying people and people that believe in the power of prayer. And so last Sunday, if you missed it, you can go back on YouTube, but we talked about, we set the whole thing up by kind of talking about what is prayer. Today, I want to continue that um, by getting really, really practical and talking about how to pray. And I fully realize that for some of you, this is going to be review, um, that you have uh, a vibrant prayer life and you know the ins and the outs of prayer. But unfortunately, the church has done a terrible job of teaching people what prayer is and, and how to do it. And so I want to just kind of walk through the Lord's Prayer today and let's talk about what prayer, the nuts and the bolts of prayer. And once again, uh, a lot of this series and a lot of the things that I've learned from this series have come from uh, a book by J.D. Greer called Just Ask. So if you want to pick that book up and, and read it, it would be kind of a great companion to kind of go deeper uh, into the subject. But it's really well done, um, very easily understood um, but there's some great content in it. How many of you have ever been asked to do something but had no clue how to do it? Anybody? Some of you are like, that's my job every single day. <laughs> some of you are like, yes, I'm a parent. <laughs> For real, y'all. But, you know, you're asked to do something and you have no clue how to do it. And it's even worse when you ask people around you and they don't have any clue how to do it either. Like, as long as you have some help and somebody that you feel like knows what they're doing, you're, you're okay. But when nobody else knows how to do it, it's not a good feeling. A few months ago, six, eight months ago, something like that, some of y'all remember when the church website went, randomly went down. Y'all remember that? It just went one day for like a week and a half. Well, the reason why I was down for a week and a half is because I didn't know what I was doing. So what, what had happened was we had um, the domain name springwell.org, for those of you that don't know that term, is basically owned by a company that we pay that company to use that domain name. Well, the domain name ran out 
which normally wouldn't have been much of an issue because it's on reoccurring payment had the credit card in the account not have expired, which also wouldn't have been a big issue to change the credit card had we known how to get into the account. (laughs) So for a week and a half, I am stressing out about how in the world, because springwell.org is on everything. I had other domain names in mind. At at one point, it was going to be needachurch.com or, no, I'm just kidding. I had other domain names I was trying to think of. Finally, God intervened. We were able to get into the account. But I was in the middle of something that I had no clue how to fix. Have you ever felt like that when it comes to praying? I mean, let's be real. Some of us have some major struggles and some major issues when it comes to prayer. For some of us, we just don't know what to say. Have you ever been there? Like, you want to pray, especially in public. Some of you are like, no, I ain't doing that. But you just, don't, you just don't know what to say. And for some of us, our, our issues with prayer is like, we don't, we don't know how it works. Like, am I talking to God? Am I talking to Jesus? Am I talking to the Holy Spirit? Yes is the answer. But remember, Jesus gives us our access to God. But you don't know how it works. You don't know, am I supposed to say some magical words? What, what, what am I supposed to do? For some of us, and this is my biggest issue with prayer, is I lose attention. You ever sat down to start praying? Ten minutes later, you're cleaning the kitchen counter. And you're like, how did I, how did I get here? We have, we have some issues with prayer. And on top of that, I think we've heard some people pray and we've had the thought of, I'm not really sure about prayer, but I know that's not the way you do it. You ever heard that one? What about the Father God prayer? This is the person who prays and says, Father God, 30 times within the first 30 seconds of the prayer. And you're literally thinking, like, did God forget his name? (laughs) I mean, that would be like me saying, Kirby, how you doing, Kirby? Kirby, how how you doing? And And then we have the helicopter prayer. That's the prayer that never seems to be able to land. Y'all have had this one. You've got that grandpa or that uncle. Come on now. Thanksgiving, you just prepare. Your plate is full and it is warm, but you are prepared to pop it back in the microwave because by the time he gets done and he never seems to be able to land it and you're thinking, I just want to eat. Or how about the the holy roller prayer? These are the people who use really big words with a really deep voice. Sounds like King James language, but you have no clue what the words mean. You have no clue and you're pretty sure you know them. You're pretty sure they don't have a clue what they mean either because they're not that smart. And then by the end, you're wondering, I don't even think God knows what these words mean. You ever been there? And on top of that, I think many of us have some anxiety uh, uh, around prayer. It's like, do, do I, I have to do something in order for him to hear me? It's almost like you're anxious because you felt like you haven't been on your best behavior lately. And so can I, can I really, really talk to him? For some of you, you think there's like a certain time, certain schedule you have to pray, and you have to use certain words, and you have to keep it professional and or maybe you even wonder, and this is something I hear every now and then, is, is what I'm praying about even big enough? Like, God's, God's got a world to save. He's got hungry children to feed. Like, am I really going to talk to him about how I hurt my pinky? Today, I want us to learn some practical things about how to pray. And this is my title. You can write this down. Teach us to pray. That phrase comes directly from the passage 
that I want us to, to read through that we're going to be looking at today. If, you're, if, you're here, if you were here last week, this passage is going to sound really, really familiar because I used the same one last week. However, this week, I want us to, to dive into this section known as the Lord's Prayer. And let's get really, really practical. Luke 11, starting at the very beginning of the chapter, says this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. The first thing I want you to see is that we have to be taught how to pray. We have to be taught how to pray. And for some of us in the room and watching online today, that's good news. Because if you were, if you were 100% honest, you would say, I don't even know how to pray. Nobody's, nobody's ever ever taught me. Like if you're a believer in the room, you've always thought that I should pray. You've always been told that you should pray, but you've haven't been, you haven't been taught how to pray. And it's one of those things where you can get to a certain point and it's almost like you're afraid to ask. It's like, if you've been a believer for 20 years, you kind of feel like a moron asking somebody, well, how do I pray? But it's okay because we have to be taught how to pray. Jesus' disciples who have been following him at this point, they didn't know how to pray either. We have to be taught how to pray. And we can make prayer confusing, can't we? And one of the things I think that makes it confusing is that every, every religion and every denomination kind of has their own sense of prayer. In fact, every, almost every religion does pray to someone in some way. And so I think what can happen sometimes is we can, we can hear people praying in, from other religions or from other backgrounds or from other denominations, and we can almost borrow parts of their prayer life. And in fact, some of us today, we have a messed up prayer life and a skewed view of prayer. And the reason is, is because we are believing things about prayer and about talking to God that simply are not in the Bible. So Jesus' disciples come up to him and they say, hey, Jesus, can you, can you teach us to pray? Like we want this connection with God that you have, Jesus. We want to communicate with God the way you do. Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus is obviously the perfect teacher for this. So he begins to teach the disciples how to pray in verse 2. Now, before we dive into this, I, I want you to see that as, as we walk through this, that this prayer is meant to be a pattern. It's a special pattern, not a scripted prayer that we're about to go through. Because for some of us, we've, we've said the, the Lord's Prayer before a football game. We've recited the words. We don't really know what they mean, but we've recited the words. And what I don't want you to take away from this is I don't want you to take on more, more guilt from the fact that you don't pray right. These, you are not supposed to sit with a checklist of these things when you talk to God and check off every box. This is more of a, a con conversation starter. It's, it's a pattern. It's not a scripted prayer, something that you have to pray every single day or your prayers aren't answered. Got it? Jesus says in verse 2, he says, when you pray, say Father. Now, we got to stop. We got to stop right there because that Father word is is a big deal. This is, it's a very, it's a very personal, it's a very intimate term that Jesus, is, Jesus uses there when he says, pray, Father. It's extremely personal. In fact, 
the disciples who were listening to Jesus teach this would have ha- their ears would have perked up a little bit because remember in this culture it was thought that God was somebody that you had to get to God was something that you had to check all the boxes in order for him to to listen in order for him you to earn your way into his good graces and so when Jesus uses this personal term and says father it would have flipped a switch in their life even though they've been following Jesus it would have still been like a like a foreign idea to them you see how you view how you view the grace of Jesus will never be more obvious than in your prayer life. If you, if you view God as distant, you'll pray half-hearted prayers. If you see God as mean, you'll pray nervous prayers. If you see God as impersonal, you'll pray generic prayers. But if you see God as a personal, loving Father, you'll pray powerful and innocent prayers. That word, that word father there, there's, there's, it, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to interpret in today's culture, but most scholars would tell you that father is even too, too professional of a term there. That really what Jesus is saying is here is he's saying when you approach God, you can say daddy, and some would even go as far as to say that it's even more intimate than that. It's almost more like da-da, that you were the child and you were so dependent on this father. You were so dependent on God and you are such a, a humble, uh, innocent child that literally what Jesus is saying is he's saying, when you approach God, you can say, da-da, daddy, I, I need you. You can approach him as a child approaches, approaches their father. You see, prayer isn't a last resort for the desperate. Prayer is a first response for God's children. Now, I know that when I say that word father, for some of you that can bring up different memories because maybe you had a father, an earthly father, who wasn't very good to you. Maybe you never knew him. What I want you to hear me say is, the, the perfect earthly father, the, 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 perfect ver- the perfect father that you can dream up, or maybe it was the father of a friend of yours that you wish you always had a father like that. That father doesn't compare to this heavenly daddy that you get to come to in prayer. This is a perfect, all-loving, all-knowing, all-compassionate father that we have the opportunity at any point to communicate on a personal level. Have you ever... Notice that a, a child doesn't get frozen when they go to ask their parents for something. I don't know about your children, but when my child comes to ask me for something, he doesn't think uh, five minutes trying to come up with the perfect terminology for what he wants. Do yours? When he comes to me, he says what's on his heart. He's not trying to sort through the proper language. No, he is asking me from a vulnerable situation and with reckless abandon. Now, Jesus tells us to have faith, a faith like a child. So what does that tell you? How can you approach your father? You can approach him not trying to calculate your words, not trying to get all of the phrases right, but you can approach him without fancy language, with vulnerability, and with your needs on your mind. Jesus continues and says, pray hallowed be your name. It's a fancy word, hallowed. I would venture to say that most of us has, have no clue what that word means. You've, you've recited it, but you don't know, really know what it means. But before we, 
before we define what that word means, I think it's important that we realize the order that Jesus is keeping things in here. Because before he says, list your desires or list what you want to ask from your heavenly father, before you go to him begging him for anything, he says, focus on your relationship with God just for a moment. You see, when we start with who God is in our prayers and in our mentality, it shapes the rest of everything else we're going to pray for, and it makes us reframe the needs that are in front of us. It's important that we realize that what God wants from us most and that the, the purpose of prayer is for relationship. It's a close relationship. And so this word hallowed means a couple of different things. Number one, it means most beautiful. In other words, God is better than anything you're about to ask for. God is, our God is so much better than the things our God can give us. He is so much better than the bills we're asking him to pay. He's so much better than the healing we're asking him for. He's so much better than the peace we desire. He's so much better than the answer we've been asking for. He's more beautiful and he's better than anything you can ask for. He is God. He is holy. He is awesome. He is spectacular. He is majestic. He is gracious. He is kind. He is awesome. And he is Worthy, hallowed be your name. You're the most beautiful God. Hallowed also means most worthy. Jesus is telling us to recognize that our life and ourselves are about God's desires and not our own. You see, God is not your, your genie who you can ask for three wishes from. God is not your heavenly pinata that if you whack with a stick just right, what you want comes falling down. No, God is our prize, and he is worthy. He's worthy of our desires. He's worthy of our heart, and he's worthy of our lives. Praying hallowed be your name reminds us that God is the main character in our life, not us. For some of us, and I don't want to be rude today, but for some of us, we need to be reminded that God is the main character in our story, not us. Because what will happen sometimes is we'll almost look, like, look at God and we'll get mad at him for not doing what we want him to do. And sometimes it's because we think this life is all about us, what we want. No, our life, our story is for him. He's the main character. So then Jesus says, your kingdom come. Whose kingdom is it? It's God's kingdom. It's all his. Prayer is not supposed to be getting God to fix what we want him to fix, getting God on our timeline, on our agenda. No, prayer is seeking to join God on his agenda, seeking his will on earth as it is in heaven. And if our prayers fail to consider what God wants, they're nothing more than wishful thinking because God will always do what's best. And so when we're praying, we need to pray with the mindset that God, you know what's best. And we need to ask God, God, can you do what you want to do on earth just like you did in heaven? God, can I be aligned with what you want? God, I want your will to be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. And how do we know God's will? We know God's will by getting to know God. We read scripture. We come to church. You see, the more of this that you get into you one way or the other, 
the more powerful your prayers are going to be. Because what happens is when we get to know God and the character of God and the purposes of God, all of a sudden our prayers get less selfish and they begin to align with what God's purposes are. Do you, do you know anybody and you can predict what they're going to say about a situation before you ever see them? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your friend. But you can, maybe you knew, knew something ahead of time. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to see when they're told. I want to be there when you tell them because you know how they're going to react, right? Well, it's the same way in our relationship with God. The more that we get to to, to know him, the more we talk to him, the more we communicate with him, the the more we get him and his his character and his his knowledge inside of us, the more our will and his begin begin to to line up. But what I, I, throughout all that, what I don't want you to hear me say today is that you have to be perfect in that. That you can't, you can't pray with nervousness that you're not praying exactly for what God wants. Remember, you're the, ch- you're the child. You're the innocent child. He's the father. You can talk to him, but there's something amazing when your will begins, when his will begins to line up. When, no, when your will begins to line up with his will. I had to get that right or somebody would have said something. So then Jesus gets to the needs and the wants. In verse 3, he says, Give us each day our daily bread. Now, we got to pause right here because there's a lot of hate on carbohydrates this day and age. And I'm tired of it. Jesus himself, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, prayed for bread, dadgummit. Bread is not evil. And I am pretty sure, we don't have it recorded, but I'm pretty sure he asked for honey butter as well. <laughs> so y'all just, get, y'all just get off of that now because Jesus prayed for it. No, but, but what Jesus is saying here is he, he's, he, he's saying we have to trust God with, with what we need. You see, most of you didn't come in to here just hoping that you get some sort of slice of bread today. But in this time period, this was a big deal. Bread was important. It was it was important, it was, it was essential, even though, even though it, was, it was scarce. And so the way this applies to us today is because it helps us to, to see that we have to depend on God to meet our needs. That God is a need meter, and we have to depend on him every single day. We need the grace of God in our lives to survive every single day. Now keep in mind, God promises to meet your need, but not your greed. And sometimes we'll say that God's not meeting our need when really he's not meeting our greed. But he promises each day he's going to give us what we need. And what's really easy for us to do, especially in modern day America, I think, is to look two years down the line and wonder how he's going to provide. No, no, Jesus didn't say worry about two years down the line. He said today, give us today our daily bread. We're depending on God as our source. You can literally ask God for anything you need. In the Bible, people prayed all kind of crazy stuff that they depended on God for. People prayed for kids. Not that that one's crazy. <laughs> people prayed for wisdom. People prayed for a wife. That one's numbers no, kid. People prayed for water. 
Love you, baby. People prayed for the sun to stand still for a day. People prayed for the meaning of dreams. They prayed for it not, not to rain. They prayed for it to rain. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for finances. They prayed for wisdom. They prayed for help and temptation. They prayed for lost people. Here's the point. If it matters to you, it matters to God, and you can ask him for it, and you can depend on him for it. Parents, how many of you have ever had your child come up to you and genuinely ask you for something they needed? Or maybe, maybe they didn't just ask you for something. Maybe they told you about a fear they had. And you said, I don't care. Get away from me. No good parent, no good parent does that. God cares about every single need, and he provides for your needs. And the really awesome thing about God is, is that he'll provide for your wants sometimes too. Jesus then says to pray, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Now keep in mind, Jesus is not praying in this passage. He's telling the disciples how to pray. That's important because Jesus had nothing to confess, no sin to ask for forgiveness for. Jesus was sinless, but he tells his disciples, in your prayers, confess your sins to God. It's And why is that important? Because when we confess our sins to God, if we're a believer in Jesus, we are not asking for forgiveness for our sins any longer. Y'all understand that when you accept Christ into your life and you offer your life to him and ask him to be Lord of your life, your sins are forgiven forever, past, present, and future. And so when Jesus says, ask, confess your sins to God, he's not saying confess them to gain forgiveness. No, he's saying confess them to expose them so that you can overcome them. Because you see, sin is a lot like, like mold. It doesn't grow good in light. And so if we expose our sins, if we tell God about our sins, there's something about it. it, it we recognize it, we ask God for God's strength to, to overcome it, and then all of a sudden it starts to not quite be as tempting because we've, we've exposed it, we've brought it to light. And when you're confessing your sin, just to cover this base, you don't have to go through a third party to do that. The Bible tells us at times to confess our sins to one another, but you don't have to go to a priest. Please don't go to a pastor. No, I'm just kidding. I'll listen to you, but I can't do anything but pray for you. But you can, you can talk to God directly. This kind of confessing is so that you can get your sin out of your life, and so not so that you can be forgiving for that. Confession is an honest evaluation of ourselves and admitting that we've messed up. That's all it is. And then Jesus concludes with, and lead us not into temptation. That's a prayer we should be praying more often, shouldn't we? Because I've got to be real with you. I fall into temptations. Left to myself, I fall into temptations. Temptations to sin. Temptations to look at things I shouldn't look at. Temptations to say things I shouldn't say. Temptations to react in anger when I shouldn't. Temptation to be impatient. Temptation to look down on other people. Temptation to look down on myself. Left to myself, I am a sinful, sinful human being. Because the Bible says we're born into sin. That's why you don't have to train a baby how to be selfish. You don't have to train a child how to sin because we are born sinners and only Jesus and his grace can save us from that. But as we walk with Jesus, we should sin less and less. So Jesus concludes this prayer by telling, uh, by telling us to ask God to help us live a life that looks like that of someone saved by Jesus. I want to, I want to pray this more often. 
God, don't, don't let me go there. God, show me the things, show me the moments where I'm, where I'm most vulnerable. Show me the places I'm most vulnerable. Show me the people that I'm the most vulnerable around because I don't want to be led into a temptation because, Daddy, I want to be like you. This isn't for Jesus to beat up on us. It's for us to confess and say, I have, I have messed up. Now, God, would you please lead me in a direction? Help for me to close the doors that are left open that open me up to, to, to sin. The sin that I know is not the best for me. The sin that kills me little by little. God, don't let me go there. God, don't let me say that. God, don't let me put myself in that situation. So I want, I want to make it really, really practical for us. What I don't want you to do today is to walk away feeling pressure that you've got to check all of these boxes because that is not the point of this. Jesus' pattern is not so that you can sit with, with a list of do's and don'ts. It's so that you can conversate with God more freely. Something I've been taught over the years, and this certainly is not original with me, but it's the acrostic acts when it comes to prayer. It's a lot like the pattern that Jesus gives us here. But it starts with when you're sitting down, when you want to pray, it starts with adoration. A is for adoration. When you don't know what to pray, start by adoring God for who he is. Start by honoring him for who he is. Tell him that he's the king. Tell him that he's the creator. Tell him... How, how, how loving and how good and how faithful and how powerful he is. Tell him he's your Lord. Tell him you appreciate who he is because there's something powerful about that. It puts us in the right frame of mind to bring our request to God. And then the C is confession. So as we tell God how amazing he is, it's, it's obviously gonna illuminate how screwed up we are, isn't it? God, you're awesome, me not so much. And then begin to confess. Remember, this confessing isn't for forgiveness. It's for change. We're made, when we confess our sins, we're made more aware of them. So you're saying, I've, I've, I've messed up, I confess. God, help for me, help for me to change. And then thanksgiving. Then begin to thank God for what he's done in your life. It can be the big stuff, it can be the little stuff. If you woke up this morning, tell him thank you. If you ate today, tell him thank you. I see that head. <laughs> if you drove here, tell him thank you. If your kids are healthy, tell him thank you. If you're breathing, everybody breathing, tell him thank you. Did you have a sweet conversation today? Tell him thank you. Did your kids give you a hug without you having to ask for it today? Tell him thank you. Did your kids give you a hug period today? Tell him thank you. Thank him for the big stuff. Thank him for the small stuff. And then last is the thing that normally we jump into. It's supplication. It's a fancy word for asking for stuff. It had to start with an S or otherwise it wouldn't have been acts. It would have been acta, which doesn't sound near as great. Supplication. That's just where my mind went, y'all. I'm sorry. Supplication. This is where we ask God to meet our needs. This is where we tell God what's on our heart. It's where we tell God even the things that we want. It's when we tell God where, where there's fear, 
where there's hurt, where there's pain. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Some reminders just before we finish. The first thing is that prayer is conversation with God. It's that simple. He wants to conversate with us. He wants to talk to us. He wants us to talk to him. He wants to be involved in your life. Why? Because he loves you. Because he created you for a relationship with him. And he knows that inside of that relationship is where you are at your best, your most fulfilled, and where you are accomplishing your purpose. And the second is, while we do have a pattern, your conversation with God is going to be unique to you. He's going to, you're going to talk to him in the way that he's wired you to talk to him. Just like if you have different friends, they kind of have a separate, different kind of conversation with each one of them. God is going to have a unique, unique conversation with you, and you're going to talk to him uniquely as well. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you a, resp- a chance to, to accept Christ this morning. You see, Jesus came to bridge the gap between us and a perfect God. The reason we can call him daddy is because Jesus makes us right with God. He is the the one that connects us back to God. So if you need a relationship this morning, if you need a relationship with Jesus, there's nothing magical. There's no three hoops to jump through. It's just a confession, really. You can pray this prayer, but it's not the prayer. It's the confession and the surrender in your heart. You can say, Jesus, I admit, I've messed up. I have sin in my life. But I confess it. I ask you to come into my life to forgive me. Jesus, make me right with God. I surrender my life to you. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but today I know that all of my sin, past, present, and future is forgiven because I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we did last week and as we're going to do every week during this series of messages, there's a card, a prayer card in your seat today. As the band plays and sings this song, if you have a a prayer request that's that's on your heart, and it can even be the same one as, as last week that you're still praying, that you're still praying for. You can write your prayer request on that card. You can bring it, you can place it in this box. Or if you don't want to come this way, we totally understand that. We totally get that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's some baskets by the doors on your way out. You can drop it in one of those baskets and we'll we'll put it in here for you. But as as the band plays, feel free to write your prayer and we We will make the promise as a staff, I'll make the promise as one of your pastors that we're gonna pray with you. We're gonna ask God to show you amazing results that can only be tied to his hand and his care in your life.